Okay, welcome listeners. We're here and we're back with another podcast for you. Welcome, Pastor Brad. Good to be here. So your dad's in the pulpit on Sunday. Yes, he was. So you got to be a spectator and an observer. Uh, you got to sit there with us on Sunday. So what we're going to do today will be a little different since you were not preaching. I want to hear your takeaways. Um, what what spoke to you? You know, you've said your dad's been studying the spiritual gifts for a really long time. Mm. And so was there anything new you heard or talk to us? Tell us about the sermon. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's one of those things where most Sundays I I preach what I've been preparing all week and then I, I let everybody else critique it over lunch. And this week I, I get to be on the flip side of that. <laughs> like I, I feel like I get to come back and, and you know, highlight some things and, and talk about it. I it, it was an intriguing one for me because I've, like I mentioned, I've, I've heard my dad speak on spiritual gifts a number of times growing up. Um, I can genuinely say this was a little bit different than typical um, than what I've heard before, um, which is good. And it's a, it's a good reminder that as we continue to study God's Word, uh, we continue to look to what it is saying that should refine and shape and, and change um, our thoughts on things, especially you know something like this where there's a lot of different discussion and a lot of different opinions on it. And I, he mentioned it in Sunday. I think the biggest influence has been the, you know, the introduction of the Chip Ingram study, the, the study they've been doing on Sunday mornings as well that has tweaked it just a little bit. But I really appreciated what he had to share. I, I appreciated his willingness to uh, step into the pulpit for me cover that for me. It ended up, I didn't line it up on purpose, but it ended up being on a, a, a midterm week. So the extra flexibility was helpful for me. Um, but yeah, I like I liked how the whole thing got pulled together, how we how we focused on that spiritual um, matters idea. So it was, it was interesting because I hadn't really had the time to talk too much about that over the course of the of the series in First Corinthians, and then he picked up right there and and we talked and we went back into context and, and talking about that whole idea. And I, I just I appreciated those first three verses, how he highlighted that it's it's necessary for a person to be spiritual. In, in the vein of not fleshly, like we've talked about in other places, um, in order to exercise their spiritual gift correctly. You know, Paul makes that idea, especially in 1 Corinthians 3 that we've already talked about, this idea of, you know, it's impossible for a fleshly person to operate out of the Spirit. They don't understand these things, you know, and so he kind of comes back to that idea. And it was a good reminder to me as I was just thinking through it, that like, service isn't a substitute for maturity. Yeah. Like whatever area you're serving in, whatever spiritual gift you have, whatever ministry you have within the church, it is going to be furthered and enabled by spiritual maturity. And and sometimes we have a tendency to think that if we can get the externals right, then the internal will follow. You know, it's like if I can just serve, then my maturity will come. And in, at least in my experience, and I can't say this biblical authority, but in my experience, more often than not, that's not the case. More often than not, um, we submit ourselves to the Spirit. We we. We find ourselves in step of the Spirit, operating out of the Spirit, and then we're serving uh, out of the right mindset and out of the right heart. And I think that's what he's going after here in 1 Corinthians 12, when he's trying to get after this 1 Corinthians or that church in Corinth. And like, again, you think you're spiritual. You think you're mature. You think you're impressive. And so you're doing all these great things, uh, but you're missing kind of the whole point. And that's where 1 Corinthians 13 is going as well. So that idea of service not being a substitute for maturity was was important for me. I also liked some of the comments he made about just the practical matters of spiritual gifts, this desire that we need to know, and we also need to try and engage our gift. You know, it's there is a value in awareness. There is a value in taking time to consider. There's a reason Scripture lays out what spiritual gifts are and what they mean and what we're supposed to do with them, because there's value in kind of knowing where I fit in the body. 
Um, on the other side, uh, we need to avoid paralysis. This idea that if I, unless I can get it figured out perfectly, unless I can find the perfect ministry for me, I'm not going to move on anything. I'm not going to serve anyone. The vast majority of the spiritual gifts are exercised in very informal ways. They're, they're exercised in the hallways on Sunday morning. They're exercised in small groups. They're exercised in ministries over the course of the week. And people just engaging with the Word of God in each other's lives and caring for each other. And uh, that, I thought, was a good reminder as well for me. And then the last, last thing, of course, was just this consistent reminder that we've seen in 1 Corinthians that we need the Spirit to accomplish anything of significance. You know, verse 11 saying, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. We're going to come back to that theme again this Sunday as well. But this idea of the necessity of the Spirit, that we need the Spirit's involvement, that we need the Spirit's power, that all of this is reliant upon God. Even the spiritual gifts that we've been given, these manifestations of the Spirit that were given for the common good, are entirely dependent on God. You know, and it's not about us. It's it's not about my ministry. It's not about me. It's about what God is calling me to and how he's going to enable me to do what he's called me to. So those, those were at least a few of the things that I really appreciated from the message. One of the things was... It, you just you just touched on it. You said that, and it's verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Mm-hmm. It's easy to think one spiritual gift is maybe better than the other, or there's one, you were gifted this one because of this, and it right, we have no say. Yeah. It's as he wills, and I think that was a good reminder. And another thing your dad said, I noted, he said, Underline varieties, he says, we're going to see that word a couple more times. And I guess I've never really thought about or looked at that, just that constant reminder that there are... there are varieties. Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoy hearing about spiritual gifts, and I think it's an area where not, not a lot of us really study. Mm-hmm. And so um, what would you say to someone who says, well, I don't know my spiritual gift? Yeah. How do, we, how do I find my spiritual gift? Where do I look for it? Speak yeah. to that. Um, I mean, obviously, it's you know shameless plug for the spiritual gift study we're doing on Sunday morning. There, there's <laughs> value in doing that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I think that class has a few weeks left. Um, maybe we'll look at, at retooling it and reoffering yeah. it again at Great. some point as well. Uh, or honestly, the reason we're doing it the way we are right now is to share with small group leaders so they can then go and help share with their small group. So mm-hmm. if you're in a small group and you're interested in what your spiritual gift is, I'd encourage you to bug your small group leader or yeah, say, can our study. next study be a study like this? We have video curriculum that would enable it that would help do that sort of thing. Because I think there is value in studying the passages that talk about it. You know, we've my, my dad referenced Romans 12. That's one of the yeah. key passages that talks about spiritual gifts. I read from First Peter 4. There's also a section in Ephesians 4, in addition to 1 Corinthians 12 here, that talks about spiritual gifts. I mean, so it's a fairly consistent theme. It's not everywhere throughout the New Testament, but it's a consistent enough theme. And the idea of serving one another and caring for one another, and that idea is throughout the New Testament. So it's it's this idea that we need to be engaged in these sort of things. We need to be um, ministering to each other. Now, in that, we can get a bit overzealous, and we can make spiritual gifts kind of this... Um, personality assessment, sure. self-actualization. Once I, I'm just figuring out who God created me to be. And there's value in knowing that, like there truly yeah. is. Um, but again, he apportions them as he wills. Each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Some yeah. of the themes that are going to come up here later on is, is this idea that like God composed the body and that God assembled the members, and that God gave the gifts. We're going to talk about some of those themes in this Sunday's message on that idea, too. So, like, the whole point is your motivation should be, 
I want to see God glorified, and I want to see the church edified, and so I want to make myself available for ministry. And so there's value in studying those texts and saying, what is what is the text saying in, in a doing a study like spiritual gifts like we're talking about? But ultimately, I think the biggest thing is that Isaiah 6 idea, right? When we recognize that we can do nothing in our own strength, Isaiah coming before the holiness of God and saying, I am a man of unclean lips, and I'm among a people of unclean lips, right? My eyes have seen the Lord, and I need someone to save me. And then after we've been redeemed, after our tongue has been purified, after our lips have been purified, that idea saying, okay, here I am, Lord, send me. Mm-hmm. Whatever you would have, I will go and do it. And that's I think a big that's the statement. thing. That's yeah, a that's, lot of just, trust. that's just it. You know, it's like, but, but if God's going to give you the ability to accomplish it, he's going to take care of you. Yeah. And I think precisely your question of are some spiritual gifts better than others mm-hmm. and that that sort of jockeying position seems to be exactly what was going on in the Corinthian church. Sure. You know, they were like this is an important gift, you know, so later on in chapter 14 we're going to talk about tongues. And he's going to be like you're trying to do this and you're trying to do this, but what's most important is building up the body. And you've got this yeah. idea that speaking in tongues is like the biggest thing in the world. Do whatever's going to build up the body. Yeah. Like make yourself available for the Lord. And so I would tell a lot of people Study it, pray about it, consider it. Ask your friends, you know, where, you know, in my well, your Christian friends, um, where have you been edified through my ministry and okay. through my engagement? But the biggest thing is just start ministering. Yeah. You know, like the things you will notice in the church more often than not will go along with what my dad talked about as far as those motivational gifts. Mm-hmm. So the things that you notice in the church that you're like, I wish somebody would minister to these people. You know, I wish somebody would help with this. I wish somebody would improve on this. I would wager the vast majority of those things are going to be areas that you're gifted in. There's a reason God's laying it on your heart. Go do something about it. And there's a reason you're seeing it. Yeah. And no one else has, so to speak, because you're affected by it. Yeah, precisely. It's it's that it's that group of people that God is calling you to minister. It's that way he's calling you to minister. It's that unique ministry he's calling you to. And sometimes we get frustrated because we look at the church and we go, well, why is no one doing X? Well, maybe he's calling you to do X. And the best way to explore and to find out what your spiritual gift is, is to start ministering. You know, so it's it's really easy to even even with some of the more uh, quote, quote quote unquote public gifts, you know, teaching and some of the things that we tend to think of, be like there needs to be a ministry for me to exercise my gift. Well, every gift can be exercised in one on one conversations. So it's like if if you don't have a ministry that you think is fitting in, but you think there's somebody that needs ministered to, and you see somebody, go pray for them. Go share the word with them. Go go encourage them. Go serve them. Go help them. Go find a way to minister. And your gift, I believe, is going to come through in that capacity. It's going to become clearer to you, and it's going to be edifying to them. So there's no need to wait on either having 100% clarity on your gift or waiting for the church to develop some ministry area in order for you to use your gift. That's exactly what, what the body is about. It's going to talk about different members doing different tasks and different abilities. If we all had the same gift, if we we're all ears or we we're all eyes or whatever the case might be, then where would we have the sense of smelling? Like we would, we would be a really funny looking body if we were all you the would. same part. And we wouldn't be able to go anywhere. Bingo. Right? <laughs> Bingo, right? You <laughs> yeah. know, I, I enjoy talking with my kids about different systems in the body because my kids will ask, well, how does this work? And where does blood come from? And how does our brain work yeah. with things? And you're talking about circulatory system and nervous system and skeletal and system. And their brains and, are little sponges right now. My daughter yeah. does the same thing. She's fascinated. And it's and it's great. I, I want to hear where you're going because I think I think Isabel and I've had this conversation. Yeah, but it, like it's so it's so amazing to see how God has composed the body so that the parts will all yeah. work together. Yeah. With any one of those systems, your body would cease to function. Right. You know, and that's exactly why he's using this me- metaphor, right? He's talking about the church as the body of Christ, 
and this body being interconnected and needing each other. And there's there's value in the diversity of the different types of parts. And there's there's value in the way that we need each other. And there's value in, you know, there's, I just, I love, um, and again, I'm getting into next week here, but in, in chapter 12, verse 26, he says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So like there's this interdependence in the body, you know, like you don't prick your finger on something without your whole body responding. Yeah, right. You don't stub your toe in the middle of the night right. without your whole body having a response right. to it. And that's the way the body's supposed to work in the church, that like mm-hmm. we're supposed to care for and we're supposed to find ways to minister and 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 be involved in each other's lives and not wait for something something yeah. really dynamic to happen before we feel like, okay, now I can go do something. Sunday I kept thinking – Okay, I could see this is a good setup for where probably Pastor Brad's going next Sunday, is we have to understand who gives the gifts, where they come from, then we're going to move into, and how is it beneficial? Because it's the gifts, and you can correct me, the gifts are not given to edify ourselves. You said it. I may want to serve in children's ministry but it's not for people to say, you're really good at serving in children's ministry. It's yeah. to bring the littlest in the kingdom along, right, yeah. to, to, to speak into their lives or those who might have the gift of mercy. It's not so I look really caring and empathetic. It's so I can weep with those who weep. Yeah. And, and so now we're, we're combating that whole idea of it's all about me. Yeah. Right? Well, a few weeks ago, we said communion isn't about you, right? Right. Well, spiritual gifts aren't about you either. Right. Like it, it's it the glory take, of God. Yeah, exactly. It's the glory of God and it's the building up of his church. Like the, it needs to be outward focused. And, and there's a certain amount of like our society has an infatuation with navel gazing. Like if I just yeah. look inside long enough, I'll figure it out. Right. And we can kind of fall into that trap as believers right. when it's like, no, what he's going to continually do is reorient our thinking, mm-hmm. look Look to God, but look outside. Right? Right. He's going to say, look to other people, minister to other people, wash some feet. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're going to see how this works and right. what the value is of it. You know, he's going to talk about honorable and dishonorable parts of the body. And there's, there's, there's a tendency to think that whatever is public and whatever is praised, that's what's important. Right. But he makes exactly the opposite case here in 1 Corinthians 12. He's basically going to say the invisible ministry that nobody ever notices and nobody ever praises, that is some of the most honorable ministry that takes place in the church. And we need to be reminded of that because whether or not somebody sees it, if that's our barometer for whether or not it's important, we're probably doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You know, it's like, would you do the same thing if nobody showed up? I think that's a great question to ask ourselves. Yeah. Part of the discovery of that is... Try. And it's going to require you to step outside of your comfort zone. You know, I've told people consistently that, like, if it was in my own ability to try and get up and preach in front of a group, that's the last thing in the world I want to do. Because I'd much rather be in the corner. I'd much rather be invisible. That's Mm -hmm. not really how I like – I mean, naturally, that's not what I gravitate toward. And so if somebody hadn't been willing to ask and I wasn't willing to say, well, I don't know, maybe, you know, we'll try something, then I never would have discovered that. You know, not to mention the fact that, like, God, I think – pulls us out of arenas where we need where we're comfortable. Like I think of okay, so what was what was God on about with Gideon, you know, in the Old Testament book of Judges? Like what what was going on here? Sure. Why was he like, okay, you've got all these men, but I want to make sure that I receive the glory. So I'm gonna get rid of almost all of them and you yeah. got three hundred guys. Yeah. 
And what does he do there? He says, because I want to receive the glory. I want to make sure that people aren't like, well, Gideon was just a master strategist and just got this all figured out. And I've laughed sometimes, listen to the explanations of that story where yeah. people are like, well, it was just this brilliant strategy. Well, it may have been this brilliant strategy, but it wasn't Gideon's. Right. Like, it, it was God's and on plan. Paper, no one's going to tell you that army can defeat that one. Bingo, right? <laughs> yeah. Everything, everything yeah. shouldn't work. And that's right. kind of the way spiritual gifts work. You know, it's like he takes people... That, that you look at, again, he, he chooses the weak things of the world to despise the strong. Right? We talk about that in First Corinthians. Right. He, he chooses those of us that are incapable of doing anything in the eyes of the world. And he gives us the ability through his spirit to do things yeah. that, that we can't explain why, why it had such an impact on people right. you know, and why it made a difference. But it's because he wants us dependent. He wants us dependent upon him. Mm-hmm. He wants us reliant on the spirit so that when something happens, all the glory goes to God. And so as you're considering your spiritual gift and as you're thinking through, like, what is God calling me to? If it's like, oh, well, that's something I could never do in my own strength, might be worth a shot. Right. Because that's kind of the idea. Right. Where are we headed? And how are we going to find out that the gifts that we're given are not about us? Yeah. And if we don't use them, is there harm in that? Yeah. I, I, it's, uh, as, as we move from 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11, where he kind of lays out the foundation for the way they should be viewing spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. he gets a bit more practical as he moves into 12 through 31, the end of the chapter. He's starting to ramp up toward chapter 13 and that love should motivate all of these things. Mm-hmm. Again, my dad teased a little bit about that on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but here here in the end of chapter 12, he, he basically gives us kind of a, a blueprint of how God designed the body to function. And he introduces this concept of the body and the different parts and how these things are supposed to work. And so one thing that he says early on is basically he reminds us um, that our entrance into the body is through salvation, right? He he talks about how salvation, being a member of the body and being given the gift of the Holy Spirit is this prerequisite for belonging, for blessing, for service, for this whole engagement. So he reminds us again that like this isn't something that we just do in our own strength. God has to call us into his kingdom. He has to save us. He has to redeem us. He has to integrate us into the body. And then he has to give us the Holy Spirit, right? So uh, this reminder, right, that again, we need the Lord for all of this. Yes. Then he moves into the unity and diversity pieces. He, used, he starts off by talking about the diversity, right? Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. The foot, therefore, cannot say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And this reminder that every part is needed, that there's value in this diversity, that God actually intended and arranged the diversity of the body. And some of that diversity is exactly what's frustrating the Corinthians, right? Because they've got different proclivities and they're like, why don't those people see it the way I do? Why don't those people like my leader? Why don't those people think they should do the same thing with food sacrifice to idols? And why are there these diversities and these different temperaments and these different abilities within the church? And Paul's contradiction to that is actually... No, God has arranged the body. Mm-hmm. He put the body together intentionally with a purpose. God knows that we need each other, like that we should be involved in each other's lives. Yeah. You know, again, as you know, having overseen adult ministry, the one and others were really critical to our formation of the small group ministry. These 36 at least unique one another's that we're called to. And it's, like, it's not like God couldn't fully sanctify us instantly in his own power. Okay. He chooses to refine us through yeah. people. And more often than not, that refining comes through a friction. I was just like, thinking of that. I'm like thinking, okay, oyster, yeah. pearl, right? That that sand, that irritant, 
and this beautiful result. Yeah. And we all recognize somewhat intuitively. We see it in our marriages. We see it in business partners. We see it in yeah. um, you know, sports teams. You need people yeah. with different temperaments. You need people with different abilities. You need people with, that are going to see the world differently because there's value in that. But you also recognize that when you get into that, there's going to be some friction Yeah, because you're going to see things from different perspectives. And I think that's one of the ways God uses to refine and rub off some of those harsh edges. And so he says, look, just because you say, like, let's say you've got a gift that for whatever reason, because of your own insecurities, you've deemed is less valuable than like a public teaching gift. Sure. You know, I just have the gift of service, yeah. you know, sort of thing. And that's probably the way the Corinthian church was thinking. Yeah. He's like, just because you don't think you have this gift doesn't make you any less a part of the body. Right. In fact, God arranged this. He put you there on purpose with an intent for you. Yeah. You can't be like, I'm just going to sit back because this is an important gift and I'm not going to use it. Because the body would suffer for lack of that ear or eye or whatever the part might be. Um, But you also can't just be like, I wish I had that gift. Mm -hmm. That doesn't do anybody any good. So he celebrates the diversity. But then he also has to come back and he has to remind them that unity is demanded by God, right? Mm -hmm. It's, It's really intriguing. Not suggested. Not suggested. Yeah. Uh, it's it's purchased by God, right? Ephesians yeah. 4 is going to talk about Absolutely. that idea. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And that's really, really critical. We're actually going to talk about Ephesians 4 on Sunday. But he, he, he goes from the unity into ta- or from the diversity into talking about the unity. So he goes from, I can't say I don't belong because I'm a part that I don't like, to saying, I can't say to another part, mm-hmm. you don't belong. I don't need your part either. You know, and this is really, really critical. And he makes an interesting statement. We'll talk about this more on Sunday. But he says, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that the reason for this, that there may be no division in the body, but that there be member or but that the members may have the same care for one another. And so it's interesting because he builds in this diversity and yet he composes the body so that those that seem less honorable are actually given more honor in order that the body will be unified and in order that there will be care given to one another. And so it's, it's really critical to remind ourselves that the composition of the body of Christ is something God chose and it is intended to lead to unity and care. We tend to think in opposite terms. We tend to think that like the way God is composed, come on, God, like why didn't you make everybody like me? Right. You know, why didn't you, if everybody just agreed with me, we'd be all fine. And and highlighting what we are unified behind, again, he starts off by talking about like we're all a part of the same body. We're all members of Christ's body. We've all been given the spirit. And so like being unified in purpose doesn't mean we're going to all see things exactly the same way. And it doesn't mean that that diversity and even those disagreements are all bad. Yeah. Now, chapter 13 is coming. And he's going to be like, well, okay, so in light of the fact that you're all disagreeing, in light of the right. fact that you're going to see things differently, let me yeah. remind you what love looks like, right? Love right. is patient and kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. Okay, we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about chapter 13. But right now, he's just helping them understand that this diversity is not something to be viewed as negative. And even some of the friction is not negative. Handled incorrectly, it's negative, but it's intended to have a refining effect. We need each other. We need to be involved in each other. We can't say, I don't belong because I don't think I fit. We can't say, you don't belong because I don't need your gifts. He eliminates all of that sort of thing, right? And then at the end of the chapter, he says, and I will show you still or a still more excellent way. I love that. That becomes kind of a pivot verse as we move into chapter 13, Mm -hmm. reminding ourselves that like all of this functions appropriately through love. Yes. And being reminded of that reality. Because ultimately, the biggest thing that was resulting in a broken church in Corinth was they were a loveless church. They were loveless because they were arrogant. Mm-hmm. And he says, you need each other. There's no reason to be arrogant. This is what love will look like as you exercise your spiritual gifts. 
We're still building. We're we getting are. there. We're almost there. We're it's, almost it's like it's just like begging to get to that point. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully by the time we get there, people will be like, I've been waiting for chapter 13. I knew it was coming. Right. So That's great. Okay. So what should we be reading to prep? And are there any additional you had kind of mentioned Ephesians? What, what do you recommend for us listeners to do to get ready for Sunday? Yeah, those are the big ones. I mean, the, the text itself is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 31. Um, obviously, there would be value in continuing that all the way through chapter 13, since there's that pivot and that's where yeah. he's going. Um, one of the other passages, and then I did reference it, was Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6 in particular. Uh, it's interesting that in Ephesians, Paul makes an, an incredibly similar sort of transition to what we see played out in 1 Corinthians. In Ephesians 4, uh, first of all, he talks about talking about unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace in verse 3. So talking about gentleness and humility and bearing with one another. Then he goes into this list of one body, one spirit, called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. He speaks to their unity. He speaks to what they have in common. But then in verse 7, but grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. Then he speaks to their diversity, right? And he talks about what was supposed to be accomplished, and it's all intended to build up the church, right? So the body grows it, all the way down in 16. The whole body joined and held together every joint when it, with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, the spiritual gifts are being exercised correctly with the right motivation, makes the body grow so that it what? Builds itself up in love, right? Same sort of progression that we see in Ephesians 4 is very, very similar to what Paul has been doing here in 1 Corinthians. This idea of how do we handle relationships? How do we overcome disagreements? How do we recognize the value of diversity? How do we unify behind a common theme? And how do we remember to do it all through love? I'm excited to see where the next few Sundays go because we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting to that that heart of the heart of the issue. Yeah. It's it's getting exciting and it's been convicting for me to consider yeah. as we walk forward. So uh, again, be praying for hearts and be praying for the message as we head into Sunday because it's it's going to be challenging. Amen. All right. Well, we'll sit down next week. Very good. Thanks for listening to Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap. This is a production of Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll be back next week with a new recap and a forward look to our Sunday sermon. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We leave you with this encouragement out of 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll see you next week as we sit down with Pastor Brad for another episode of Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap. Sunday Recap.